<laughs> you were worried about him. He's like, well, we got to get more stuff in here, he says. <laughs> what have I done? What have what I done? What were you saying? <laughs> now I've got the opposite problem. i got to figure out how to trim this beast down. <laughs> what kind of monster have we built? I'm pretty sure I got rambly at some point. I mean, sure. Yeah, I can I can trim out 10 minutes. That's, that <laughs> doesn't minutes, solve it. That doesn't solve the problem. We have we have an abundance of content. Um, it's only three hours worth to choose from. Well, luckily for us, I'm pretty sure we squandered about 45, 50 minutes at the beginning. I think we did. And we're still going to be at the same usual spot. And you were like, we, we're just not going to have enough. Ep- you know, we had plenty. I'm just going to shut up. Every- <laughs> You're never going to say that again, are you? Coming up on this episode of Linux User Space, we look to the past, we look to the present, and we look to the future. And welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Uh, so this is the season finale for our podcast. It's the finale. You've been with us for 20 episodes this season. This is number 20, and, yeah. Um, and then we're going to take a break. We're going to take a little break. But the Discord, Matrix, Telegram, live streams, we're going to keep those going. We just kind of talk about some current topics and... Well, sometimes we get really off the rails and talk about yeah, things movies. that aren't even technology or computers or any of that yeah. stuff, which is fun. Just nerdy topics that we all meander into. Um, if you are interested in that kind of thing on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. U.S. Central Time, um, yeah, come on in. Join us in the Discord, uh, or you can just watch on Twitch. Well, We always post links all over the place uh, for you to get access to it, so you don't need to go dig them up now. So, yeah. The the party don't stop. Uh, it's just the podcasts while we, you know, re-situate things and transition to season three. Over the next couple of months, uh, my, my plan is to just like all of the things that everybody's saying. That's what the shows will be. The first couple of shows that we built out of. So yeah. Keep it coming. Keep talking. We love it. It's my yeah, favorite so- part of, of all of this is um, the feedback. I think that's that's one thing that I've realized is my favorite part of doing all of this is the community feedback that I get to read. I mean, I digest that a little bit. And whether it's in the chats or on the show, expanding on that, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's become pretty quickly my favorite thing to do. So send it. Yeah. Wherever it is that you are and you're connected to us, send it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, some of my favorite episodes this season – have been the ones that were probably a little heavier in the feedback where we yeah. got to answer and go through a lot of those things. And th- those were the most fun for me, you know, researching those topics and helping people out and listening to the feedback. 
you know, the, even the feedback we got from the various distros, uh, it's nice to see the maintainers and developers um, send us some information above and beyond what we already knew. And, and some of them say like, holy cow, I had forgotten about that thing or or yes. stuff like that so that that's pretty that, great too that happened with mx and mm-hmm. you know that that's the kind of feeling that um success i guess I, that, that might be a little bit of what what success feels like because yeah uh, you know you're you're bringing back old nostalgia it like slackware brought back old nostalgia for me oh, but for sure. yet we we had so many comments talking about how oh yeah i remember that oh yeah i i, I did that and mx linux was the same way where wow that was a long time ago but I remember that. And so that that's what I guess that's what success smells like in a podcast like this where we really deep dive into the history where you get people that were involved back in the day saying, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, that feels real good. Yeah. And then we even had some some great feedback from like Nick's. I remember when we did that episode. So much like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was just holy cow. That was great stuff. And uh, we got to relay it to you. Yeah. Yeah. We realized pretty quickly that. We thought Nix was complex, but there were entire layers of complexity of Nix <laughs> that we didn't even scratch on. Yep. Uh, I learned a lot. Nix, I learned a lot. Um, we, we've really had some great adventures with the distributions that we covered. Um, you know, we did some really hard ones this year. Um, this oh, season. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the listeners, they really threw down the gauntlet. And uh, I think we accepted it and, and ran with it. So some of my personal favorites, I'll throw them out here, and you can throw out yours too if you want, Leo. Oh, yeah. Um, so personal favorites for me were Void, Arch, and Slackware. Those were my favorite distributions, more for the experience, I think, that I had. You know, each one of them was a great experience. They they all turned out to be very usable systems for me. I think I had no problem you know, managing them after I got them set up and getting them installed. Yeah. I mean, they all have different layers of complexity there, but um, I think because they are so varied, so different, and going through each one of them and and learning about all of their differences, that was really great for me. Um, oftentimes people will say, you know, Linux is Linux, right? It, it's all the same. You use the kernel. It's it's, But no, it's not. There are so many things that you can do to make it different. And then on top of that, there's so many things you can take that and and make it your own as well. And all three of those systems allow you to make it your own. I find that to be really rewarding. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's that's extremely important in a lot of this. And I think that's what defines Linux for a lot of people, especially the more vocal FOSS types. It's the ability to make it your own. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't really say it any better than that. As far as what my favorite distros are, I don't know. That's a really hard one. I didn't dislike any. Oh, yeah, I didn't either. Each of the distros that we that we talked about this, this season, um, I liked them for very different reasons. Um, yeah. But, okay, so you did, you did a top three in no particular order. Nope. Um, Definitely not. So to refresh your memory, this season, what did we do? We did uh, Chaos in episode three. Yep. We did, uh, or KOS. That's yeah, right. KOS. KOS. Yeah. Uh, we did Arch Linux in episode five. We did Elementary OS in episode seven, which was like difficulty whiplash. 
right? Oh yeah, like we right. go we yeah. go from cobbling it all together <laughs> in arts to elementary where it's 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 just put together, man. It's Don't there. worry about yep. it. Here it is. Just, just here you go. Yep. And then we did Garuda in episode nine, mm-hmm. and Zorin in episode eleven. So what what's really funny about that is we went Arch Debian, Arch Debian with that, and and it really was not not that Garuda mm-hmm. is hard, but you know dealing with Pac-Man and understanding what the chaotic AUR and all the pieces right. that fit together to make Garuda. There, there's more understanding that you need to have there. Yeah, there's a lot to that. Yeah, and it was almost another complexity whiplash going mm-hmm. back to Zorin and and kind of taking it easy. By the way, if you didn't notice, we kind of did it on purpose. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and then um, in episode 13, we did Void. Mm-hmm. In episode 15, we did Nyx OS, and we didn't do ourselves any favor on the, on that one. Those were two no, difficult we did ones not. back-to-back. We, we gave ourselves a bit of a rest on with MX, MX yeah. yeah. and then we finished out with uh, Slackware, which, in my opinion, in my opinion, Slackware is the hardest distro that we did the entire season. Arch is number two, easily, is yeah. number two. Because of the the front end, you know, you have to build it, and then Nix was number three. Okay, yeah, yeah, I I will buy that. I I would throw Void in there too a little bit. That's that's probably a Cause little because you, you do you have to you have to pick up and run with run it. And, yeah, I mean, that's different, and you know you 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 got, it's like Arch in the, in the sense that you have to install everything kind of from and build it up unless you're a fan of Exit. FCE and you know that's that's your thing. So it's not it's not bad. It's actually a good uh implementation of it. So it wouldn't be terrible. Um but um yeah, like you gotta build all those up. So they're they're a little trickier. Yeah, and you said XFCE, Dan, you know me. Um I'm not yeah. a, I'm not a huge fan of XFCE, but you know, and not not because it's not performant or functional or anything like that. It's just not my my cup of tea. So yep. As as far as um, this is not going to be my favorite distro. This this is not going to be a top three favorite distro because okay, uh, uh, it's it's going to be a top three distros I had the most fun with. Okay, yeah, that's good. Number one mm-hmm. is Slackware. Yeah, I had the most fun with it because it was a lot of things to me. It was nostalgic because it was uh, as I mentioned in the episode, it was my first mm-hmm. big boy distro. Um, I I had to have help putting it together. Uh, someone that knew how to put it together. Um, but you know, this time I have a lot of Linux knowledge, but not Slackware specific knowledge. So, right. um, it was challenging and that's why I liked it so much. You know, the, the, the typical ways that, that you do things, you know, every other distro besides Slackware this season has a way to resolve dependencies. Slackware did not. Yeah. That's, that's why it's the hardest. I feel like. Yeah. Y- you had to be much more thoughtful in what you did. Right. Every step of the way, as far as administration goes, launching apps, you know, doing the normal stuff, you don't have to think about it. But, you know, when, when you're updating, when you're doing things, when you're changing system stuff, you have to be a little more thoughtful in Slackware. Uh, so it makes you think. Yeah, there and there are some third-party things to, to help you resolve some of that, and that's an option, I suppose, if that's the way of you want to go. We got we got feedback to that effect too. I know, but if you just want to go with the system as as they give it to you, which is the intention um then you you need to solve those things on your own that's your problem to solve and and that was that was kind of my focus with it i i did want to use the tooling that was given to me um you know it, i i didn't really have much of a choice right because slack builds wasn't mm-hmm. available f- to us until seriously the day oh yeah no uh, i know i sat down to record or to to produce 
the show to actually edit everything. Then Slack builds for 15 was out. Right. Man. I did I did cheat and I went to the current branch, which is essentially the same thing because it was fairly right. frozen at that point, right? But I, I did cheat. I wanted to get it in there. I wanted to try it. I wanted to have the experience because I yeah, felt like that that's was part cheating, of That's not cheating, Dan. That is the Linux way. Making it do what you want it to do yeah. regardless of the circumstances of how it's put together. I know. I, I use cheating in air quotes. <laughs> Yep, Slack was number one. Uh, number two is is Arch, and okay. again, not not because it's my favorite, but just simply because it was the second most challenging distro to get running out of the box, and that was just simply because you have to cobble it together mm-hmm. unless you're using the install script, which makes things a little bit easier. But I mean, I, I wanted to dive in. The, the script was available to me day one, but I didn't want to do it. I did not want to go that route with it. I wanted to put it together for myself to see what people were talking about when they say Arch is better because you make every decision all along the way. And yeah. it has its advantages, 100%. But you, yeah. you have to be okay with uh, you know, making those decisions. And if you decide three months into it that you don't want to do that that way anymore, you want to rip out System D or something like that, it's on you. You can always reinstall. But I mean, I feel like the Arch way would more be or rip out system D and replace it with, well, replace it with something and then rip out system D and then make sure everything is, is going to work before you reboot. Otherwise, well, you might be cherooting in to fix things. Which is always an option, I suppose. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> I mean, sure, of course. But uh, Arch Linux has a higher difficulty ceiling and mm-hmm. that I, I think that's what does it for me. Just the difficulty of it is really what, what makes it interesting to me and why, uh, why it's my number two. I will say if you install Arch the Arch way, yeah, that is one of the things that brings the intensity up a little bit, right? It so does. Slackware, Slackware, you can, I feel like y- you boot into something at least, and and it has a, it's a curses installer, but it's sort of step by step, and it kind of walks you through. They they have not gone away from their DOS roots very not, far, no, because. They what what is the what is the the command to invoke the installer? It's like setup, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, every single DOS based installer that I ever ran back in the day was D colon to go to your CD drive mm-hmm. and setup.exe or A colon to go to your A drive and setup.exe. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just just a huge hit of nostalgia right to the gut. And as difficult as that is, obviously you have to do some formatting and and have all that stuff prepped or whatever, but it steps you through. Whereas the Arch install process, you're looking at a command prompt after every command you type. It's not asking you for a question, you know, to to enter something in. You have to be following along in in a page that's written somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah, you're you're putting in your own EFI bootloader, man. Good luck with that. And 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 so there is the the Arch installer now, which is a script basically that does some of those things in an automated fashion after you load up a config file to make it do stuff. So I mean, I guess that's a thing. But um I think the because the installer, you know, the install piece of that is is on you. On you. It's all on you. There is no yeah, walkthrough. Um that's what makes that harder. Yeah, it definitely does. That's why I like it. That's why it's my number two. It's mm-hmm. difficult. Arch number two, easily in that slot for that reason. But once you get booted in, 
Pac-Man does a lot for you. Oh, for sure. There are a lot of great tools. Um, and like if you've been through the Arch install process, it's not that complicated and it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. The way you do it. It's just it isn't doing it for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Arch number two for sure. Number three has got to be NixOS. Okay. You did seem to take a hold of that. I liked it for a lot of reasons. I mm -hmm. liked it because I could just spin it back up one day, feed it my config file, and just be done. Man, all my stuff is there. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta move my documents and stuff back over. No big deal. But the fact that I could have a working system in NixOS after the first time faster than any other distro out there, yeah. no matter what scripts I put together. Nix Nix takes the cake there. So and and again, sure. we were talking about at the top of the show that that's not that's not even the surface of really what oh, Nix yeah. provides to you. It's just my favorite thing about it. So Nix was probably about as difficult as Slackware to install, which is to say it's it's not. Yeah. If if you're okay with the command line, if you're okay with formatting your own disks, Nix OS and Slackware are pretty much on par as far as installation goes. They're easy both of those that. are easier than Arch, but um Really where NixOS becomes difficult is the way in which you must configure the system. Installing applications, you can use the NixEnv commands, but yep. if you want that, that thing, whatever it is that you're installing, to be available to multiple users, yep. you want to do it at a system level, and that then brings in the Nix configuration that you have to go and, and make sure that everything is exactly perfect. And same with... Uh, like configuration changes. So like to do my pulse audio changes that I need to do for this particular oh, yeah. audio interface on every single distro, um, I couldn't just go into the daemon.com file in pulse to configure that. Oh, well, I, I guess I could, and it would work for now, Until but after a reboot, you yeah. go back. Yep. So you, you had to, and this is, this is, I think where it was a little more difficult because, um, the documentation was there. It answered the question, but I feel like it could use a little bit of explanation around the things to make yeah. it a little easier to digest. Um, but, you know, overall, I got the job done. It's no big deal. Not a problem. So that is really what makes it difficult, having to go in and configure it in a way that you've probably never done before on another distro in your life. NixOS right. and, you know, uh, distributions like Fedora Silverblue, they just have a whole different take on how you interact with the system yep. and, and, you know, this whole atomicness of how the system exists is just different and complex enough that, yeah, that's number three. Slackware, Arch, Nix. I grade them that way because that's where I have my fun when it's yeah, hard. I, I think we're, we're pretty much on par with each other there because, you know, I picked Slackware, Arch, and Void. Void is probably another one that's ranks yep. right up there as, as one of the harder ones too. So. I, would, I would say Void would hit four. If, if I had to pick four, Void would be number four because you have to learn a new init system. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and so... And you got to go link D-Bus. Like, come on. Yeah, I come know, on. I know, I Who's know. Who's not linking D-Bus? Get out of here. Well, I don't know. But like... <laughs> So they were good experiences, and that's why I chose those. I really, yep. you know, the other the other distributions were fantastic for me, and I feel like it, I almost feel like I'm doing them a little bit of a disservice. I don't mean to, because you know, distributions like MX and um, you know, KOS, KOS doesn't really get enough uh notoriety i don't feel like i think that's that's undersung distribution for how good it is i feel like i feel like a lot of times as far as plasma is concerned yeah if you want plasma 
boy, is that good. Yeah, it's, it's as good as uh, Neon, KDE Neon. Yep. And I mean, when you want the latest, greatest plasma, the the other things, and, and there, you know, there are certainly, um, I guess, concessions you have to make when you're using yeah. KDE Neon because it's on a uh, Ubuntu LTS base. Yes, yeah, older base, yeah. Right. So, you know, you get 12 months into that, 16, 18 months into that, you're going to have to make some tough choices. Right. Um, Chaos kind of sidesteps some of that. But it does. You you have other trade offs with with chaos. There, um, there isn't a perfect KDE plasma latest and greatest distro that I know of just yet. Maybe there is. I don't well, know. Well, the open source tumbleweed. Also a good one. True. True. Like if you want to pick latest and greatest plasma, that might be the way to go. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's my recommendation. I think rolling. You know, gonna get the latest stuff. That might be not a bad bad plan but i really did like kos uh i thought I that too. was great the forums were great um you know the and kcp you, was great the kcp was great and if you're if you're staying pretty much within that cute um application that sort big. of realm space and and you like the kde stuff then that's not bad i think that's a good way to go and yeah like i said mx mx was another one that i really really did like i think the community there is is just you know, outweighs everything. The great little tools that they bundle in are are fantastic. And uh, you know, who doesn't want to watch Dolphin and Oracle on uh, YouTube? True. Every every question I had was answered in one of those videos about MX. So you know, if you if you care about MX and you want to know what's coming or what's what's new, that's where you go. That's that's the thing. There's no there's no single forum post or anything that does it justice. Um, yeah, Dolphin and Oracle. Yeah, he takes he takes the cake. Yeah, and and. To to round it out a little bit, I'll say like elementary. I love what they're doing. I love what they're doing with the app stuff. Um, I know there's not much there yet, and that's that's frustrating for some folks. But it, but it's bigger than when we than when we did it. It it absolutely is. That's an interesting thing is that it keeps growing. It it might be double double in the size now that it was yeah. when we when we looked at it. And so that's not a lot of time, and that's a lot of progress. I feel like so that's something to watch out for. Yep, I, I like I like what they stand for. I think that's that's good. Glad they're taking that stance. Honestly, yep. And the the point one release of Zorin OS uh, came out. Yeah, um, just a few days ago, actually. So uh, tons of progress there too. Yeah, and we. I mean, I guess we did call that a little boring, but um, boring, boring in, in, in the best way, way, though. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's boring in the same way that Linux Mint is boring, and it, it, for sure. And and I'm still recording this show on Linux Mint, so it's not like uh, boring is a bad thing. Boring is great. That's a good place to be. When you need a machine to just do what you want it to do yep. every single day, you get on it. And, and updates, you don't have to think about them so much. Just press the button. It's probably going to be just fine. 99% of the time it is. And, you know, I, I feel like it's on par with, uh, I was going to say something like Windows, but... Uh, no, that's not true. No, it's way <laughs> it's, better it's than more, Windows. It's, it's way better. It's way better. It's way, way better. better. Uh, well, here's another boring aspect of it is this is doing security updates in the background. You don't even know about it. Yeah. So, I mean, like some of the other distros don't do that, but like, I mean, we, we, we do that because we pay attention, but if you were to hand something to someone, you could just say, here, take off with that. And then, you know, you know, all the security updates are done. Yeah. And every time and they reboot, there they are. I feel good about that decision. Yeah. <laughs> so at least there's that. So that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. I really 100%. did enjoy all of them. I really did. 
not 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 to go stray too far away from what a topic episode really is about. Yeah, uh, we have some topics, right? Well, just we just do a have couple, a few topics. just We've a couple. A few and I, I th- these are more things that are going to happen while we are on break. Things that mm-hmm. we're watching, and especially for me, shortly after we go on break. Yeah, actually, yes. At least this first one. Y'all will get this episode toward the end of the month, and then mid-month in April, all this stuff happens. Well, first up, uh, we've got the Fedora 36 uh, release is imminent. So keep your eyes open. It's scheduled for April 19th. Sometimes, though, they shuffle those around. Fedora is released when it's ready. Yes. That's that's their... But they really do target, like, that day, and they... They usually get pretty close within a few days of that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, start watching, you know, around the April 19th time frame. And uh, that's when they're they're looking at it. Yeah, they. Uh, I remember pretty much every article I read on the Fedora thing was that, like, if it wasn't the 19th, it's going to be, I think it was like the 25th or 20th. So like an extra week. So, Probably a week, yeah. Yeah, there's a contingency plan there just in case. But yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, a little... it all depends on the blocker bugs, and uh, I might be able to come up with a link for that in the show notes. Surely. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. And uh, it all depends on where they are at the time. Uh, and, and if things are, you know, all clear, then they'll release. If not, then they'll, they'll hold off. Sounds good. That'll work. But GNOME 42, that's that's that, the thing. That's coming. That's going to be in the release. Yeah. yeah it's going to be common to the thing that we're talking about. So GNOME 42. It is. But all of GNOME 42, you'll see what I mean in a minute, but all of yep. GNOME 42, all of the apps, all of the Libidweta, all of the GNOME 42, all of the Wayland, all of that yep, every is bit coming. Of it. And something specifically that I care about is kernel 5.17 because um, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But, That's shiny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the framework laptop that I'm messing with uh, needs the newest of the new kernels. I think 5.15 was probably 5.15 the first kernel okay. that, yeah. that, that you needed and that had pretty much everything ready to go. But the later kernels are always better in this case. So 5.17 is going to help out with yep. uh, some of the things that I need. That makes sense. So I'm excited uh, about this one. Whichever one comes out uh, first, um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, that's, yeah. that's what's going to see my laptop. Just to recap, GNOME 42, all the GNOME 42 apps in addition to that. Mm-hmm. So why? Why are we talking about the apps on this one? We are talking about that because Ubuntu 2204 is scheduled to be released in... April 21st, which is like a few mm-hmm. days after the scheduled release of Fedora. Yeah, it's like a race. I'm, I want, I'm, I'm actually pretty curious. Uh, it seems like Fedora yeah. should release earlier than Ubuntu, but as you mentioned, the blocking bugs might push it back a little bit and give might. Ubuntu the edge on the, um, you know, suck all the air out of the room because Big Boy just had a, uh, had a release. <laughs> Yeah. So related to that, though, uh, beta testing week is set to begin the 31st of March. Which will be a couple of days after you hear this, right? When when you can hear this? You're going to hear yeah. this on the 28th. And so, so 31st is Thursday. Like a, like a couple of days um, that week, you know, later this week that you're hearing my voice. If you, if you can help test that out, that'd be like fantastic way to give back and, and, and make sure that the release happens without as many flaws, hopefully, so that, mm-hmm. you know, developers can get in there and hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah, the, <laughs> so the, the Ubuntu proper release is on the hook. 
for 10 yeah. years on this release. So, I mean, it's got to be yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, well, you know, all the flavors, they're three years. Um, so that's a long time, too. So Yeah. Oh, of course. You know, um, for some of those things. So please jump in there, help out, test if you can. Um, for more information on that, look to the Ubuntu and Flavors social media spaces for announcements on when and where to go for more information. You, you'll you'll see it posted there. I know. I think they're they're targeting Discord. Maybe this go around for doing some testing. Really, which that has not been done to my knowledge. Oh, um, there is also a Telegram IRC channel for that. Okay, that that sounds testing more stuff. Up. IRC and maybe even Matrix. I, I mean, no, I'm not but saying yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah, Matrix, IRC, Telegram. You could do yeah. all three of those. Um, the, the more FOSS-focused ones is what I would expect to hear. Uh, so it was it was kind of shocking to hear the Discord thing. Semi-unofficial, but I think they're going to try to do some more from that platform, potentially. Cool. So cool. I, I think just to reach more eyes and ears. Well, that's that's. I think that's the right thing to do. If you're actually trying to get as many tests as you possibly can, it's probably a good idea to say, you know, right. let's reach as many tests as we possibly can. Yeah, because more hardware that you test on uh, definitely yields better results because everybody has different idiosyncrasies that that you can't accommodate for. So, yep. Yep. yeah, that's yep. a good yep. good thing. I mean, you can just get in there. I, I all right. So I'll give you a URL here: iso. Qa. Ubuntu.com. That'll take you to the testing page where you can fill out the the testing stuff and and nice. and and grab the ISOs on on a daily if you want. So yeah, um, jump in there, do some tests, run run some things, and report your bugs. There's there's your PSA for the moment. Yeah, there you go. Right, <laughs> yeah. do the do the thing. Just do the thing. Just, Just do, do it. the thing. So that's scheduled to come out April 21st. Um, so that's coming with GNOME 42, just like Fedora. But what mm -hmm. not like Fedora right. is there's going to be a lot of GNOME 41 applications in there. So some of the GNOME 42 applications are in the Ubuntu archive and you are able to install them, but they will not be included in the in the default install, just yeah. so you know. Um, so like I, I did some testing on the new terminal, GNOME console. And that is that is already in there, so you're able to install it. It's just it won't become it, it's not default, so you can easily switch to it, but it won't be the the thing that you get. You'll get GNOME terminal, um, yeah. in, on on the ISO. So gotcha, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a it's a happy medium, um, for where they want to be. I'm not sure. I know there's still some more features I think that are coming in some of those applications that they're introducing. So that may be why they don't want to put those right out there for the LTS, uh, because not everything's baked in there yet. Right. Um, but they did include them in the archive, so you can install it. So if you, you know, want to get some testing in on that before the next releases, you can do that too. So good call. Good call. I, I, I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think having it available, um, but not by default, isn't a bad place. Right. Better safe than sorry. On a, in a situation like that, I'd guess. Yeah. So the other thing is um, light and dark mode uh, switching is vastly improved. Vastly improved. Yeah. So um, Fedora, Fedora and GNOME 42 have that already baked in. They do. Ubuntu also gets to take advantage of that. But Ubuntu has added a little bit of flavor on top yep. of that ding, ding, that ding. Fedora's not going <laughs> to get. Yeah. 
the accent colors. Yeah. Oh, oh my, are they nice. I, I tested know. that out. And they look good. Yeah. I think it's a good touch. Um, yeah, it is. I- I'm really looking forward to it because with the changes to Gnome and Libidweta and everything, mm-hmm. there there is a a bit of a void on customization and things like that. And while the accent colors aren't a full fix for what the folks that are like, well, I want to be able to theme with this particular theme, you know, it's not going to satisfy them. No. But it's going to give you enough customization that I think it might satisfy most people that, I mean, they don't want to get down to like GTK4 theming and, you know, the whole thing, but they want a little bit of, a little spice, a little bit of something. I think this satisfies the casual user, right? Somebody that's not going to, I mean, they're going to go download a a theme and then go put it in their dot themes folder. Right. Like that's sometimes, I I get it. That's, that's a little bit of work and maybe you don't want to go through all that. When you can just tick a box or click a little color, um, that seems a whole lot easier to me and you can get off to the races pretty quick that way. And so. and I didn't dig far down enough to find out, but I have a feeling that this accent color thing came from elementary OS. Oh, could be. Because it, it, it displays on the screen the same way that it does in elementary OS. And I know that um, the folks behind elementary are very big on collaboration. And it they would are. not surprise me in no, me any either. way whatsoever if this was just elementary's handiwork and mm-hmm. Ubuntu's tweaks on top of it, adding it to Ubuntu itself. Yeah. And, and there are other, obviously, distributions with different toolkits that do this very same thing in <clears throat> their own way as well. And so I, I feel Zorin like... Zorin OS, yeah. Yeah, no, Zor, Zorin has a nice touch. Uh, but Ubuntu Mate, um, mm-hmm. like if you, you know, fire up Mate, Mate has a has a color scheme if you will that follows throughout as well so yeah and i i think budgie does too so come to think of it um so you know they they all have their different spin on that sort of thing so i i think it's a it's it's smart i think to have it right there in the settings where you don't have to hunt around for extensions or themes or any of that stuff it's just baked right in yep definitely so the other thing that's that's uh bundled in here that is not in actual GNOME 42. I know. It's I'm, still I'm... still baking in the oven, right? It's not not cooked yet a little bit, is the triple buffering patch. Yeah. Ubuntu does a lot of backporting, and this is another one of those instances where it's not just any old package. This is something that the, the GNOME team has been working on for quite a while, and basically, Michael Larable had a pretty decent quote about what it really actually does. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to cut through all of the technical jargon and everything else, here's what Michael wrote. The patches, speaking of the triple buffering patch that we're talking about now, have successfully doubled the performance for Intel graphics and Raspberry Pi while also improving the situation for other graphics hardware too. So this triple buffering patch allows when these frames get stored up in the buffer and you know, in normal cases you're just going to see stutter, Right. That it allows the the desktop to smooth out these transitions mm-hmm. and just increase performance in general. And what have I been complaining about? I, I was just gonna say, I, I think I've heard uh someone complain about 
this sort of thing in the past? So many times. So many <laughs> times. I, I mean, and, and I was joking about it in the live stream, but I mean, there was a, there was a good, it's a, it's a, a non-zero amount of incentive mm -hmm. that made me go ahead and buy the framework laptop. Right. Because GNOME ran, I won't say bad. No, I think it's exactly what's described here, right? Yeah, it, there was a little bit of stutter whenever things got real busy, and I didn't like that. And mm -hmm. it was a fifth gen i5, so I get it. It's it's a little older on the chip, and the graphics stack is a little older as well. So, you know, that was one of the deciding factors to go with this laptop. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I buy a laptop... <laughs> <laughs> they came out with a solution for you. The triple buffering <laughs> patch lands and would essentially alleviate the GNOME issues that I'd been having on the laptop. You know, I'm not mad at all. Uh, don't be mad because you're still going to get a better experience, whatever you... you yeah. And that old laptop's not going anywhere either. Uh, right. I'm going to certainly use it for our new distros and everything else, but I'm going to include the framework into it as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm so happy um, that this triple buffering patch is in the pipeline for yep. GNOME 40, presumably 43, but... Yeah, probably 43. I would think yeah. probably 43. If if they if they thought it good enough to patch uh, for 42, I would imagine it's good enough to actually get shipped with 43. Yeah, exactly. So, but this is probably what's going to make me choose Ubuntu. You know, more than time, mm -hmm. it's probably going to make me choose Ubuntu on this laptop because there's a good chance I'll be running GNOME. At least... Uh, at least a little on this laptop. So, I'm. This is a welcome change. I'm. I'm happy that Ubuntu is backporting it to uh, the GNOME 42 stack that they're going to be shipping. So, oh, oh, so great. Yep. I'm going to try it on the other laptop too and see. Uh, see if it does actually impre increase performance on that thing. It's always good to see performance gains wherever you can get them. Of course. So, speaking of performance gains, uh, this will have long-term kernel uh, 5.15. So uh, that should be pretty good on, on the framework as well, I think. Yeah. Maybe not as great as the 517, but should be pretty good. But the, the thing about that is that while there are some additional fixes that 5, 516 and 517 have added that the framework can take advantage of, the beautiful thing about this is that Ubuntu has taken it upon themselves in conjunction with framework to backport a lot of the fixes that are coming in those newer kernels to support the framework. They've already done a lot of the work to make 2004. Yeah, the one that came yeah, out two yeah. years ago. Right, that's 513 kernel with the HWE. Yeah, so 2004 dot, and I hope I'm right on four. dot four. Yeah, yeah. The, the most recent <laughs> one that came out fully supports the framework laptop. So you can go with an older Ubuntu release, which makes nice. me which makes me feel really good about installing Ubuntu 22.04 yeah. on the framework. I hope I'm going to have a really good experience right out of the box. Uh, but it sounds like I'm going to. So, yay! Hey, no matter which I choose, I think I'm going to have a great, great experience. That's pretty neat. So, yeah, 5.15, LTS kernel, and that'll make, you know, kernel maintenance... A lot easier by having oh, an LTS yeah. kernel. You won't have to do nearly the back ports and patching to go on there. So that'll be good. Um, That's a good but, one. But uh, speaking of aesthetics, we, we talked about this a little uh, a little bit in the live stream as well. Maybe maybe we didn't. Maybe it was in Telegram. I think that's where it was. Ubuntu has a new logo. It, uh, what's your take on this, Dan? What, what do you, you like it? 
It's okay. I think it's a uh, it's a little strange. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I don't know. That's what you want to hear when you're announcing a new logo. That's what. That's exactly how you want to hear it. It doesn't fit some of the form factors. I think is is I I like the logo. I really do. I think it looks slick. And and I've actually seen it in the Plymouth screen on uh, on boot up um, of uh, Ubuntu. It, and it, is it the whole it, rectangle banner in the boot? It is. Oh, it is. Yeah, and and so it it looks nice though. You should boot it up and and take a look at it. I think okay. it looks good. Okay, I, I, it fits there. Obviously, that logo is not going to fit everywhere for for branding, right? And so they have trimmed it down in some places to be just the the square, if you will, like uh-huh. the the lower you know the the circle of friends, um, in a square, if you will. Um, or in a circle, depending on where it needs to go, I suppose. I, I feel like the circle of friends. So speaking of that, right? Like, so the, the circle is now like in the line. So it, it makes a better circle, I think. Um, and every yeah. time I look down, right? So, so I have different things that have the Ubuntu logo on it, right? Right. So right, right. when you see that, I see the little head thing, right? Yeah. That that represents the head of one of the three people in the circle of friends. Okay. And every time I see it, you're looking down at three people in a circle yeah. holding hands, yeah, kind of, or something yep. like that, right? Mm-hmm. The old logo always made me think every single person in 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 the three mm-hmm. are like flipping their head back real hard. Yeah. And just going like ha ha or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they but, are. Maybe they're and, you know. Free spirit and, 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 yeah. and, and laughing away, right? And, and the new logo, which mm. probably is on the screen right now, um, <laughs> at the very least seems like I'm looking down at the top of somebody's head. Okay. So I feel like it's a more natural progression sure. of yeah, the logo. Yep. I, I can't say it's my favorite. My favorite was uh, the multicolored one, the original. That That's way back, right? Yeah, fire up the Wayback Machine. Yeah. That one is cool. I do like that one a lot. Yeah. Right, right. That I, logo is probably my favorite, mostly because I ordered those discs. I got like 50. Oh, once. yeah, I had a bunch of those too. Dude, I was I was like dropping them everywhere. I, I took well, we them to work. we were handing them out at work. Yeah, yeah, no. So like I work at a college and uh, the, we were handing them out to the students like all over the place. So, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Always. Yeah, so that was fun. Oh yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm half in, half out on the new logo. It's different, and I think that's probably why I'm half out on it because mm-hmm. it's different, and it's it's not the same as that logo that I got used to when I first got into Ubuntu and you know realizing how easy things could be in Linux in general. Uh, that's probably why I have the attachment to the old logo. But you know, again, the critique on that is like, ha ha, throwing your head back yeah, real hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, the new one, the new one's good. It is good. It's I I I gave it a little uh I I don't know. I guess I was a, a little harsh with it, I guess. No. No, but, because any any change, <laughs> you you got to internalize that and mm-hmm. because it's going to be in some ways your logo too, Dan, because of the team that you're on. So Yep. You know, you you've got you, you've got to be on board. I I do and uh, we're we're a little behind obviously in any uh, artwork that we're we're doing cuz hey if you're ever looking to contribute artwork you can uh, certainly join the Lubuntu team um just a, just oh. a hint. <laughs> but um yeah no I and, and I think uh I think it'll catch on I think it'll look good and in the places that I've seen it it really works really well um so there's that it just um obviously not going to work in every form factor you're going to have yeah, to modify but- it just a little bit yeah, my my critique is they need a they need a circle. 
they need like a circle one. Right. Because yeah. there's a lot of things that are circle shaped, right? Right. And you want to like, get the same logo in it. You don't want the rectangle. And yeah, yeah, a circle. So yeah. you know So that's doable. No, it's do it's doable. I've seen it in a few places too. So they they've 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 been doing a lot of work at it and I think it's coming together and looking good. Yeah, definitely. So the other thing to mention here is Wayland by default. Yes. Oh, I'm excited about this. Three finger swipes yeah, is yeah. amazing. Uh, that's all I'll say. That's all I need out of Wayland. I don't care about the other stuff. I just need three finger swipes. Give me that okay. and I'll be happy. Well, that's fair. Um, I'll take Definitely it. good. And I think the the video smoothness is, uh, you know, kind of comes along with that too. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Those are those are both really good things that uh, Wayland is bringing. Plus the extra security. I know you're security nut. Um, uh, yeah. So nothing nothing wrong with that. I mean, the the Wayland protocols are intended to be more secure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Wayland and Flatpak are coming together to give mm-hmm. us a more Androidy experience of selective permissions yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yes. So when when that happens, when 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 that all comes together and becomes like a full package, um, that that's going to be the day. We joke about mm-hmm. it all the time about Linux on the desktop, blah blah blah, right? Like we can say that all we want, but until we have a platform that behaves at least as good as Android, you know, we're we're never going to be in a position to to really push it out and get people to actually care. Right. But once those things come together and get get, I mean, they're already pretty mature, but I feel yeah. like maybe a little longer, maybe 2023. I don't know. But um, those are, I think, the main technologies that that once they come together um, will will really give us the the edge and yep. allow us to stand on the same um, you know footing as the other two big ones. I, f- I feel like Wayland took a, an eternity to get to the usable point. And then in the last, but no, really, seriously, hear me out. I agree. And, no, I agree and, and then in the last couple of years, like it's been usable. And so people have really been advancing it like at a exponential rate compared yep. to the way it was in the beginning. Um, that's great to see because like I, like I alluded to before, one of the undersold things of Wayland is the security features that it brings. And yeah. uh, I know that annoys some people when it comes time to, uh, you know, I can't get my screenshot. But you know what? That means somebody else can't screen scrape your your, your machine, too. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's a benefit just as much as it is a hindrance. I, I get, you know, the person that, that is shaking their phone right now because they're listening to this podcast and is like, well, I love Xorg. Xorg was not meant for that. I mean, right. Wayland is, and we got to get there. We got to get there. And we're, once we're, we get we're there, we're this close. We're this close. Really, we're yep. we're right there. We're we're. I, I feel like it's it's down to the nitty gritty, you know, little nitpicky bugs. Um, yeah. No, you're left. right. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. Because I think in in Fedora 36, even in the testing, um, pretty much all of that stuff works. Yeah. Like you can do screenshots, and you can do OBS supports it now. And, you know, you're, we're, we're at the point now where, where it's very serviceable and you're, yep. you're right. You're, you're down to the little bugs where you have very specific setups doing very specific things that yeah. those are now the outliers. And once we fix those bugs and get that stuff all added into um, what the, the, the actual Wayland stack itself, we're going to be in a very good position to yep. have a full secure 
system. Let me adjust yep. my tinfoil hat a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that, it's important. It's very important. And Wayland is important. And no matter how much you, you dislike it, I think that's the thing that's going to push Linux further. Yep. Agreed. So yeah, I, I know these two uh, distros really caught your eye and you're looking forward to giving them a mm, go on mm, the framework. Mm, 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 mm. I so am. that's that's uh, exciting. Um, I, I can't wait to hear how it works out for you. I'm already putting together season three stuff. So yeah, but this is it. This is it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you might hear about one of these distros early on in season might, three. Might you hear know. a little something about that. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Stay tuned. So this next one is a super scary topic, Leo. Ooh, we, boy. We, 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 we talk about security a lot, but this, this is not Linux related necessarily. Yeah. Um, this It'll get you affects on Linux. Everybody. This, this is yeah. everybody impacted, not just Linux. Yeah, so if you're one of the weirdos that is on a, uh, on a Windows box listening to a Linux show, um, this is going to affect you too. So, you yeah. know, this is not just your Linux VM. This is right. No, Windows, but I mean like Mac. your mobile device though too, yes. which may be Linux as well, but it's going to affect everything. that in, included. So, everything. What we're talking about is these nasty new little phishing techniques dubbed BitB or browser in the browser. Yeah. So, so that th th that's, this that's a hijack <clears throat> of an OAuth uh you know, which is an authentication window um, by so, a reverse proxy. Right. So when so think about it like anytime you're logging into a service that relies on some other service, this happens a lot of times on your phone. Yep. When you go to a website and you log in uh, and it says, hey, do you want to log in with Apple services or Facebook services or Google yep. services? Or right. I don't know, there's probably like 12 in the list now. Yeah, but there's those, a bunch, right? right <clears throat> and you say, well, yeah, yeah sure. let, me log in. let me log in with my Google account. And this happens to us on our Hedgedoc instance, right? So when we get yep. in and we start messing with our documents, we log in with our Google accounts to get into that. Yeah, we're 99% Google free, but no, not 100%. We're still, anyway, I, mean, I guess we could switch, oh, uh, <clears throat> you know, providers. But. Yeah, but I don't want you to have to handle it, Dan. So let Google handle right. it. I don't, I don't particularly care on this particular thing because we published right. this out publicly anyway. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. But, the, the, the documents are not top secret. Yeah. <laughs> this OAuth is what we're talking about, right? So when you click, yeah, I'll log in with Google. Basically what's happening is you're logging into Google and Google is giving a login token to yep. the website that you're logging into. So essentially, this is Google vouching for you, saying, yeah, this guy did properly log in as this account, and you can count on this person being who he says he is when he right. interacts on your website. And it's become very convenient to do this because sure. almost everybody has either a Google or an Apple account. And because of that, it's easy to just say, oh, well, I'm already, you know, if you have an iPhone or something like that, I'm already logged into my Apple, whatever. Just click on Apple yeah. ID login and then boom. boom, 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 straight in. You're good to go. Same with your Android. Click on Google. Boom, boom, boom. You're yeah, in. Yeah, you'll see it a lot, though. The other other one you see is, is GitHub. GitHub does it a lot, too, for right. folks as well. Oh, yeah. So. Microsoft. Microsoft. Y yeah, yeah, buddy. So Mr. Docs mm -hmm. has some, has a really interesting video on what this browser in the browser, so BITB, which is 
um, I, I think that the name was chosen because of man in the middle. Yep. So this little browser that pops up whenever you do this, you know, I want to log in with Google. A new little browser pops up. If you're already logged into Google, you can just proceed in. Otherwise, you got to log in to Google. But what, what happens is it's a clever trick mm-hmm. using CSS and pulling assets from the real login site yep. to populate the login. Right. Right. I mean, how many times if you would just click on Google login and it says, oh, hey, you just need to provide your username and password. Would it really give you any pause? No, there's 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 nothing weird about that at all. Right. To, to have to type in your username and password to get into a Google, you know, anything or to do this OAuth type login or no, any you see of that. These things right? prompted everywhere. <clears throat> yeah, because every time I go into our Hedgedoc instance, it asks me because it's been like a week. Or if you're on a different computer even or whatever. Yeah. So it's not uncommon to see this particular login screen. So anyway, so what happens on these websites is that you'll get this login screen and it will not be authentic. And and it's very difficult, right? Like It's extremely hard because some of it is is passed through to the legitimate page. So and 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 in addition, when you look at the URL in the in the URL bar. That's legitimate as well, yeah, yeah. probably. But it's it, fake. But like, if you look at the source code on the page itself, yeah, that is not legitimate because, like, the text boxes they are going to some other place that's reverse proxied. That's the scary part. I think the people that are careful do a lot of the good stuff, right? Like, yeah, you look at the URL. That's the thing. Like, oh, the little the little padlock is is locked. Of course, so it's it a is. secure page. the The URL says it's facebook.com or github.com or whatever. Yeah, it's not. So, it's not f a c e b zero zero k. Yeah, yeah, com, it, right. Like, it's, obviously, it's, it's spelled correctly. It's the place. The logos and stuff, they look like the other one that I had on my other computer just minutes ago. You know, all all of those things are kind of, they're laid out right. They look right. They got the right logos. The boxes are in the same place. Like, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> so go, go watch this video. Because mm-hmm. I, I know if you're anything like me, you're sitting back in your chair and you're saying, no, nah, that's not going to get me. There's no yeah, way yeah. that'll get me. I'm too... I pay too much attention when I log into things. I, I'm I'm too I'm too clever to be gotten by the g00gle.coms yeah. and all the other weird little misspelling domain squatter folks that uh, pick up these domains to do that kind of shady stuff with. But this is clever. It's yep. it's clever. It's more clever than I have seen before as far as phishing Abs- attacks go. Absolutely. So whatever your um, whatever you thought you could get clapped by, um, you're gonna have to add something else to your repertoire. You're gonna have to start looking at the very minute details of these websites. Yep. When you click on these OAuth type login stuff, you're gonna have to pay more attention now because these man, they're sneaky. It's so sneaky how good it looks. And how much time do you really spend when you click on that, you know, log in with Google and it asks you your username and password? How much time do you really spend looking at, yeah, you might check the URL. How much time do you spend looking at the images, mm-hmm. the color of right. the buttons, the size of things, the right. text? 
the precise placement of it too, because like it could be still in the same general location, but just a little bit off. I like I, I saw one that was like Facebook, but like the logo was just a little further left. Yeah. Than the than the legit one, so it was still the same logo. It was just moved over yep. a little bit. Exactly. And so, like, so my goodness, yeah, you got to watch that stuff. These folks, man, they are fishing and they're fishing hard, and I mm. think that this is gonna. It. Well, yes, and <laughs> this is going to get some people that I think previously thought they'd never be got in a way like this. It's to the point now where. You really got to pay attention. So adjust right. your tinfoil hats, folks. They're not after you. They're just after the low-hanging fruit. Even if you do. Dan, we were talking about it a second ago. Mm-hmm. Two-factor authentication. That will help. Is what's going to save you. If you make the mistake, and it's very easy to do. If you make the mistake of logging into one of these OAuth things and getting caught and your password is now compromised, your two-factor is what's going to save you. So, yeah, it's got a real good chance as long as you haven't entered your two-factor stuff into one of these as well. And so I guess that's where it makes this attack, you know, in particular, a lot more dangerous is you could be entering that in there someplace too. Yeah. Once you give up your two-factor code, um, one of them, right, uh, One when it asks and you give it up, yep. it doesn't give them the keys but it allows them a way to reverse engineer what the master key would be to generate those codes. Right. Um, yeah, you want to do that zero times. <laughs> zero ever. times, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so you got to be careful still. But you're right. Uh, like two-factor does help you a, a bunch. Um, if you get wrapped up into one, it probably would give you enough time to go reset your thing. Right, exactly. Because uh, uh, th- there's there's time. They have to figure yep. out what the master key would be to start generating right. the codes on the right times and things like that. So you have time. Um, once you realize, oh, that wasn't the real website. That wasn't legit. Yeah, it's time to go change your password, and it's time to go reset that Yeah, reset your TOTP. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, do both of those. Um, I, I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what solutions get made because of the way websites are created, you know, it pulls assets from all over the place. Normally, that's a normal thing. Yeah. But we may see some of these OAuth authentication things have to change so that it's pulling potentially. Maybe it'll have to pull assets from all of the same place. And so they're coming from the same domain. And if it's not coming from the same domain or whatnot, or a, an approved domain, then it'd be you'll see like the web page flag that or you know the browser will will detect it and yeah. whatnot. So I, I think that'll have to be the the mechanism going forward to try to mitigate this as a you know I, I, I would imagine. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would suppose that uh even the DNS folks that are doing the the malware yep. blocking and things like that might have yep. a role to play in a situation like this. Oh yeah, that's but that's like whack-a-mole, right? Like, you know, oh, it a is. new domain it pops up is. every minute. It seems sure. like and so you just can't keep up with it. But yeah. Like I said, if if not all you know, not all the assets are coming from, you know, the 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 S3 bucket that they're supposed to or something, maybe that'll get flagged. I don't know. I mean, maybe, there's probably a way to detect that stuff, but somebody'll have to come up with it and implement it and all of that's going to take time and there'll be a lot of people that get caught up into these things before it happens yeah so we're telling you 
be careful. Pay special yep. attention when you're OAuth logging in and it doesn't immediately log you in. Scrutinize that page. Make sure it looks legit. All right, Leo, time for a little feedback. A uh, little feedback. All right. All right, a lot of a feedback. Little. All right. This is good stuff. We Let's love the feedback. It. I'm ready. I love it. Uh, so Levski from YouTube um, on our Slackware video writes, Slackware is a very good Linux distribution to learn how Linux works. But if you search for work, you know, companies are looking for RHEL, SUSE, Ubuntu. Uh, they, they, those are the ones you see in job ads, right? So those, yeah. those are the ones to watch out for. So that's the bad part with Slackware, Gen 2, Arch. Um, and so they become a distribution for the hobby and not necessarily the one for the work. I, I still think it's a good learning exercise to learn how all those things are built up and, you know, how Ubuntu, SUSE, RHEL are made is the same foundations that you'll get with Slackware, Gentoo, Arch. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the cool things about distributions like that is that while you may not use Slackware for work, though you can, uh, mm -hmm. Slackware, I mean, is still a fairly decent server platform. It would be. But because, I mean, certainly big fortune gajillion whatever companies yeah. don't necessarily use Slackware in the back end, right? They're going to use Red Hat or Ubuntu or something like that. Yep. Um, there's a lot of things to be learned in yeah. a uh, in a situation or in a distribution like Slackware, Gentoo, or Arch. Um, I saw in some of the chats over the past few weeks questioning, well, what do you really learn? And by by deploying or by using Slackware, Gentoo, or Arch, and I don't I don't think um, the question is always weird, right? Like I don't think you learn all of Linux by learning or by installing and using Slackware. You answer the questions that are scratching the itch of your mind because right. in in Slackware, right? You you get an install. It's kind of arduous to get. Uh, to the first point. And then you have the question, like, well, I want to add the software. Right. This is where the learning begins. Just right. By the way. <laughs> and and it's not and and of course what you're learning is not always directly applicable to making a hundred thousand dollars a year. This is not no, what I no. mean when I say that Slackware, Gentoo, and Arch are great learning distributions. What I mean no. by that is when you install Slackware, you're presented with unique problems that you have to solve. And you can solve them in a couple of ways. One being you can go find how someone else solved them and do exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. That is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with solving a problem, letting someone else solve your problem and using their answer. There's nothing wrong with that in a situation like this. But then there's also digging down and learning what Slackware would have you do in a right. case like this, right? In in the in in the case of upgrades, do you use the um what is it upgrade PKG and then just define the package, or do you use uh uh what is it Slack upgrade uh, whatever the command is, and then you know set your mirrors and then just yep. let it kind of do its own thing and then upgrade Lilo and all of that kind of stuff, or do you just roll up your sleeves and do it all manually. What what do you do in a case like that? So what I mean when I'm saying you're going to learn something in Slackware, it, it's, it's not applicable to every situation ever for the rest of no. your life. It's you're learning Slackware. You're learning how, especially in Slackware's case, 
how things were done back in the day and how I think a lot of people are still used to dealing with Linux. So some of it's historical. Some mm -hmm. of it is scratching that itch that you have because you decided you wanted to install Slackware in the first place, right? And just getting an overall appreciation for what the heck it is that we do in this whole Linux ecosystem. I think it's, yeah, those are great points, Leo. I think the other thing is, even if you're using one of those enterprise uh, Linux distributions, there will be a time, you, you will encounter it, when there is a piece of software that is not in the, the regular re repos yep. or not in the package, like you can't install it with the package manager. You're going to get a tar file that you're going to have to go and, you know, uncompress and you know, compile and, and make for your distribution because that is what some other commercial entity decided to throw at you as, as their solution for software. Yep. And, and so you, you're going to have to go figure out how to, how to make that, that go into your, your system. And there may be dependencies that go along with that. Well, your package manager is not going to solve that for you. So yeah. unless and, you- And even if it did- their package manager may not provide the exact versioning of the dependencies right. that you might need. Yes, yeah, so you're going to have to learn how to pin those things and and make them stick and make them all go together and upgrade together, like going forward. And that's what Slackware. I, I find the value. Like that's what that gives you. And and oftentimes people talk about, well, you know, Arch breaks. Well, this is what breaks in Arch. Yeah, this, the 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 way things don't always upgrade together nicely and cleanly, and so you need to know how to downgrade packages and 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 you know maybe go a different route. You, it it's the reactions that you learn by using these other distributions, I think that make your experience you know carry over experience into the mainstream enterprise ones. And make you a better Linux administrator over there. That's 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 my takeaway on it. I 100% agree. The whole point is that no one, no, you know, running one distro, no one distro is going to teach you everything you need to know about this thing we call Linux. Mm -hmm. But by using things like Slackware and going through the pain of resolving your own dependencies and using things like Gen 2 and going through the pain of learning the comp compilation flags that you might yeah. need through Emerge. Yeah, that, that's and, a biggie. Mm -hmm. And going through Arch and figuring out what things you need to cobble together to make a good base working system. Those things together make good working Linux knowledge. You don't have enough. Nobody ever has enough. Nobody has no, no, no. all the answers. But by... Going out on a limb and playing around with these distros and learning what makes them tick and why they make the decisions they make and what it is that makes these distros good, because they all have good in them. They do. Th those are the things that are going to carry you further in an enterprise situation where, yeah, you're going to be using RHEL. You're going to be using SUSE or Ubuntu or something like that. One of the big boys that someone can pay go gobs of money for mm -hmm. enterprise support. Of course you are. That's just good policy. But yep. you're going to run into a situation where you're going to think, oh, man, I did this in Slackware that one time. Oh, this will be pretty right. easy. And you're going to turn a, you know, an all-day endeavor into a 30-minute fix. Right. So 
yeah, there, there's there's scales and things to all of this. And yep. the the when, when I was saying that there was, you know, what do you learn out of these things? This is not to Levski's comment, but to just other comments that I've seen generally in the community. Um, there's a lot to be learned in a lot of these distros. And if you yes. plan on being enterprise, there's a good chance that if you run these distros and truly kind of understand at least the basics of all of these distros, you're going to be, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else as far as problem mm-hmm. solving goes to get stuff going. So, yeah, don't don't brush them off. They're good stuff. They're really, really, really good stuff. Uh, Peter, also from YouTube, and uh, this is on our past episodes because we've we've kind of talked about what we're going to do with past yeah. episodes. And I think Dan and I finally came to an agreement behind this episode we uh, how we're going to do it. So he said, by the way, are the episodes of season one available? Um, the answer is yes, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so we had a YouTube channel, and we mentioned this before, and uh, we migrated to a new YouTube channel so mm-hmm. that we could both interact on said YouTube channel. Yes. And so now that we're on a new space, uh, much, well, none of the season one episodes and some, some. of the season two stuff is not there either. Yeah. So we came to a conclusion, Leo and I did, during our break time. Mm-hmm. We're going to run some uh, reruns during the off-season here of Linux User Space by uploading various uh, episodes, probably starting with season one, um, you know, shortly after we break. That's the deal. So uh, one thing I want to make really, really clear about this thing is that I didn't notice it. Um, Dan, I, you never mentioned it, so I don't know if you noticed it either, but season one... Mm-hmm. was a very different show. It was. And it didn't really occur to me, and I wish I could remember the name of the person that brought it up, but they said to me, um, I mean, essentially that, that season one and season two are, you know, two sides of the same coin. They are very different, though. I, I believe it was somebody in Telegram, but I don't remember who. Yeah, I, I think in season one, we were very much more focused on what it means to run a distro and how that would affect the new user. And I think in season two, we flipped that focus a little bit to the history. And instead of for the new user, just what it means to run a distro, which is why we were afforded the ability to go and run something like Slackware. Ain't no user, no new user in the whole world going to just decide to pick up Slackware. That's not where you start. Although Leo and I might have started there, but well, that's not uh, where everybody actually, starts. <laughs> that's actually kind of true. Between Mandrake and Slackware, that's, that, that is where I started. But, you know, that was a long time ago. So I think the, the shift in ideology of what the show is about um, really afforded us the ability to do things like Arch and afforded us to do things like Nix and Slackware, where had we stayed with the new user focus... I don't think those distros would have actually come up. I don't, and, and no, even if I they don't did, think they would. I don't think they could. Yeah, I don't know that we could have even spent much time on them because a new yep. user would not know how to use CF disk or F disk to partition disk nope. to be able to get Nix and Slackware on there, and they certainly wouldn't know what the heck uh, D D bus was to link it with Void. Mm, and they nope. certainly wouldn't know how to cobble together a system like Arch. So. I think the new journey that we took in season two uh, kind of redefined what the show was about. And um, I think that's why we were a little more hesitant to put that stuff out there and just generally 
Um, I like where we're going. All this to say, yeah. I like where we're going. And I like where we're going too. It's fun but, where we're going. But we don't want to forget where we've been. So we will exactly. be highlighting that. And like I said, in the off season. So stay tuned to the YouTube channel. Yep. You'll be seeing them drop on a regular ish basis. I don't know how often I'll be able to get to upload don't, them. Don't I, nail I, me to the wall, Dan. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pin me to a timeline, please. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get them there, I promise. Yeah. The, the first few will come out pretty regularly because I already have them ready to go. But uh, and, and we next... have the other ones, too. It's, we'll, just, we'll see. it's, just, we'll it's see. just a matter of doling them out, I suppose. And yeah. Getting... New, new logo stuff, re-rendering stuff. That's, that's the big task right now. All the content's there, but we need yeah. to... I, I want to bring them up to a more... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to. There's things uh, makes, I want to do. That makes total sense that to me. I'll also, well, as long as Leo's uploading them, we're good. But my <laughs> my upload speeds are absolutely terrible. So I you got know, you on the upload, man. I got you. It, it's like an hour and in, in ten minutes. It's almost as long as the episode to upload it. So there you oh, go. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm playing it back real time to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, yes, season one is coming uh, onto the new channel. Um, yep. the, the the leftovers of season two are also coming to the new channel. Yep. Uh, the old channel will eventually die. Don't go looking for it. Don't do that. Um, That's what we don't we're, we're, want. We're planning on killing that <laughs> channel. So if you get like halfway through it and it's like, oh, where'd they go? Well, they'll, they'll come back up. New channel. Don't go looking for the old channel. Use the links that we've got now. And uh, we'll have everything ready for you over the break. All right. Uh, Leo, not Leo. Not me. A different Leo. Spelled differently. At least we think it's Leo. And uh, sends us an email on proper slacking. And uh, says, thanks for the Slackware episode. For Slack Builds Online, you want to blacklist the tag in Slack PKG so clean system does not remove it. Uh, and this is something that you ran into, right? But it actually saved my bacon. So here's so that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing because I think what happened was I had updated something that was in the regular Slack stuff, and I needed to recompile it against. You know, I re I needed to recompile the Slack build stuff that I had against that. Yeah. And so, um because I hadn't done that, reinstalling it fixed that problem, obviously, because it rebuilt it. So in my case, it actually fixed my problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you want to you wanna blacklist that, though, normally, so that it doesn't, so a clean system doesn't remove those things. Uh, Slack SBO PKG has queue support to automatically build all necessary dependencies. It's called SQG. Wow. These names nice. are great. <laughs> no, so, right. It's hard to type, too. I, I feel the hardness. That's all one hand. That's tough. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can build the queue per package with SQG-P package name. That's or cool. For all packages using SQG-A. Yeah. Nice. That's kind of cool. That is, that, is, that is super handy. That's, that's pretty neat. Um, you also want to check out this Slack PKG hook, which helps you to update initRD and the bootloader. This is something you you encountered. Uh-huh. I sure uh, did. After the kernel update. And so here, there's a command. I'm not going to read that out. Yeah, we'll have that um, in the show it, notes so you it, can take a look a at w -get it. It's a wget thing to get the, the shell script, and then you change it to be you know executable, and you're off to the races. So um, I'll have a link to that. Actually, I'll just 
post that right in the show notes. Um, alternatively, it can be activated in Slack PKG. So that's that's pretty nifty. If you understand German or want to improve it, check out the open source Linux course that um, Leo has uh, for beginners based on Slackware. And there's a link here and I'll, I will absolutely have that in, in the show notes. Uh, besides that, most true slackers use dash current as a daily driver. That makes sense. That That's pretty <laughs> much it. Well, it, it kind of does. I mean, it's kind of on par with something like Arch at that point, mm -hmm. right? Because you're pulling in the latest packages as they come down. And uh, it, it really does mean current. Current means the the packages as they almost get released. So it's, yeah. it's, 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 if you're going to run Slackware, you think oftentimes, well, that's old. No, the releases are old, but current is actually very current. Yeah. Yeah. With 14.2 that lasted for years, current mm -hmm. was still current. They still had current packages. So right. they, I mean, they tend to freeze it right before release for a little mm -hmm. while and then they release and then, you know, they, they, they back to it, the races. Let it let it roll again. So yeah, there you exactly. go. So I, I will say I did not get rid of Slackware. I know I said I wasn't nice. going to keep it, but I haven't not kept it yet. Um, and uh, someone else was talking to me about Current as well, mm -hmm. and I think they convinced me that at the very least I'm going to just roll on Current for a little while. Wow, that's cool. See see what happens. I mean, what what's the worst that could happen? Oh no, my laptop like it, the the install blew up. Okay. Whoopsie. I'll just yeah. go install something else. No big deal. But um, but I, I do want to live on current for a little while and see how yeah. that goes. And so Leo, not me, but him, uh, decided uh, that, yeah, if if that's where current folks are or, or where, where daily driver slackware folks are, that's where I want to be because, um, yeah, sounds fun. It does sound fun. Neat. So we will uh, – well, thank you very much for the feedback. We'll make sure to get your links in the show notes, along with your uh, the, the the commands here to for the kernel upgrade bits as well. So that's that's pretty nifty stuff. Thank you very nice. much. All right, another piece of feedback from Patreon. This is Cubicle Nate on XFree eighty six transition. Uh, Nate says, "I feel like the history of Slackware is the history of Linux itself." Kinda He's not is. all wrong. That's like <laughs> almost the genesis. It's, yeah, it's it really one step is. removed from, from the beginning. Pretty much. So, yeah, there it is. And uh, so that's pretty neat. The whole X386 XORG transition was so painful, painful on, on Mandrake. I was salty for a while. I can imagine. I remember the days. Um, and yeah, those those transition times were always tough. Not just that transition but like anything big major underpinnings they they were all they were all uh tough to transition through it felt like you can you can kind of um make the connection to system d or wayland yeah nowadays yeah Wayland where maybe a, yeah where Modern there's times. a bunch of just tumultuous things stuff doesn't work some particular hardware situations yeah. are just not viable and that's that's exactly what happened back then I feel like and, now, yeah. though, there's enough overlap between those transition times where you can still use the old thing and it's just fine. Like, we're still on XORG and sure. everybody's happy. And 
and, and um, there are distros dedicated like to making sure that it. like it wasn't like it, it didn't exist one day or you know it wasn't going to be available next week kind of thing you you had enough you have enough overlap time now and now there are so many distros that target so many different things that even if moving to Wayland is just not your bag. Well, there's a bunch of other distros that you can jump on that right. will save you from the transition. Yeah. Or or desktop environments, because not yeah, all they, desktop environments support it either. So there yeah, you go. And and there were just way fewer choices back in the day. Yeah. Um so I don't know. So I mean, much lots, yeah. lots of distros. Is it a good or a bad thing? Ooh. Yeah, I mean you had like C D E and that was it, right? Yeah, right. That's it. <laughs> Windowmaker and C D E. There you go. Because mm-hmm. you're not gonna download a whole <laughs> Linux Hopefully. distro in a day on your fifty six K modem, man. Good luck. So Nate Nate finishes it out. Says that was when I was young and obstinate. That, <laughs> that got irritated. So that was good. Thank you, Nate. Thank you for the feedback. Next up is Larry Murphy via email. Came in through uh, through our website, and this is on well a little bit of on KDE Plasma, and then we we talk about a few other things. So anyway, uh, he says hi Dan and Leo. I've heard Michael from Destination Linux and others talk much about Plasma DE that I decided to try it out. I used KDE back in the day. Less than half of the goodies worked, but what did was really nice. I downloaded every distro I could find with Plasma. I also wanted to try out Manjaro. Ooh. I never like Arch distros, but that was quite a while ago, and Linux has changed so much. I was really pleased with Manjaro and KDE, but I had one problem. My scanner didn't work. I went to Epson's site and checked the driver download page. What I found was that they offered Deb and RPM packages only. <laughs> Don't they all, right? Mm-hmm. I figured that I could use my XP install in VirtualBox. Only problem was that it didn't recognize my USBs. And I think he's talking about USB pass-throughs. Yeah. Uh, then I found out how to get my USBs working. All nice. right. I decided I'd use any distro with either Debs or RPM. Uh, I found that there was something about everyone that I didn't like or didn't work. I was about to give it up for a while until I noticed I never tried MX Linux. Mm. It worked great. The Plasma wasn't as polished as Manjaro, but everything worked great, and there were still so many options in Plasma, it'll take me years to get it all digested. You know, I I Mm. feel like, by the way, just uh, taking that for a sec, that's, that's the problem that everybody has, but I feel like that's the best take on it. Like, yeah. Pla- oh, Plasma's got six million different toggles and switches. I hate it. No, this is the right take. It, it's got so many options, but I'm going to digest it. It might take a while, but I'm going to digest it. Yeah, I, I just, like I like that take I think it's a good approach. Most. Yeah, I think it's a good approach. Right? Yeah. Anyway, so he goes on. I heard Ryan that uh, in MX in one of the earlier DNL shows, uh, and he seemed to like a lot about it. If I like a distro well enough in VirtualBox, I burn a live CD. And if I still like it installed, um, as I said, MX works great. But I really liked Manjaro better, so I started researching about Manjaro because I figured there must be a way to get uh, drivers for my scanner in Arch, and there was. I reinstalled Manjaro and found I needed to install more packages for VirtualBox, and that did the trick. I imagine that's what fixed up the USB pass-through and all the other stuff, too. So he goes on. Now I have three dis- distros that I like very much. Uh, he's, he's about to make me very happy. Hang on. Mm-hmm. I've been using all three. They do all what I want, but there are some differences. Manjaro and MX handle audio much better than Mint. Mint mm-hmm. works well, but Manjaro and MX does it even better. 
There are a few other things that I like as well, but this email is long enough now. Diversity is one of Linux's strong suits, so I like the different viewpoints from all the other different podcasts. So, right, in podcasts, there's a ton of them. We all have, yep. we all say different things. We all agree on different things. And right. in distros, as we were mentioning before, the diversity of all these distros is what makes Linux great, what allows you to do these weird, funky things on the outskirts of mm -hmm. Linux land, and then eventually they make it all into mainline and onto the big distros and everything else. So, yeah, yep. Larry, you've got a lot of good takes here so far. He uh, He starts to close out and says, I heard about your show while listening to... Linux Saloon. Nice. Thanks for a very interesting and helpful show. Mint was the first distro that worked best for me, and I will always keep an install. He uh, he sent a second email, but I just kind of threw it in here and said, I listened to season two, episode 16, and heard about scrolling on Chrome. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. No, I'm, I'm not a fan. It's, it's, it's sad. <laughs> he heard about scrolling on Chrome-based browsers, so I had to try it. You are absolutely right. Firefox, and after hearing about Ghostry, I installed it. Ghostry works fine since Ghostry is evidently built using Firefox. Mm -hmm. Thanks for the info and all the hard work on the show. P.S. Leo, I followed you from Mintcast. Ah, oh, all yay. right, Leo. Yeah. So yeah, yes. the scrolling thing. I still can't get past it. And yep. I've noticed in uh, in GNOME, scrolling is too slow using a mouse. Scrolling is too fast using a trackpad. There is no happy medium. I don't know how to fix it. There is no toggle. Dan, what do I do? I don't I know don't, if I've I, noticed that, honestly. I don't know. I don't know. You can't adjust uh, those things separately, probably. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to have to G-edit or G-settings. Yeah, you'll need some extension or something. Yeah, tweaks. That's what you need. That sounds good. Yeah. So, Larry, <laughs> keep plugging away at Plasma. It's fantastic. I love your take on that it's not too many functions it's that it takes a little while to understand what they do and whether or not you care about them that right? i think is the right take in anything that you encounter that is foreign to you and i think it's also on the total flip side the right take about gnome 2 i will say you you and joe probably opened my mind to that although i still have some gripes about it I mean, let it, yeah, <laughs> let it be what it's trying to be for you. I get that there are not 99,999 different toggles in GNOME that you can yep. flip on and off and everything else. But, you know, and, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. But let GNOME be GNOME. And if you fall in love with it or if you absolutely hate it, doesn't matter because that's, that's the strength of Linux is the diversity, is the ability to say, here's what we're doing. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And you have GNOME on one end being very tight-knit about the things that they allow you yep. to do in the desktop environment. And then you have the exact opposite of that in Plasma, where there's a gajillion and one toggles to do everything that you want to do. And then you have everything else in, in between, LXQT, uh, XFCE, uh, Budgie, um, yeah, mate. Oh, mate. Deep cinnamon. In, yeah. Chilling. All of these. UK, yeah, we'll, we'll UI. Them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, absolutely. So, anyway, thank you, Larry. I love your take on plasma. Uh, keep being Larry because that's, that's the best Larry to be. All right. So, next up is Eric on Matrix. Uh, talks about framework laptop. And, and Leo, you, you had good conversation with Eric 
on on Matrix about this because you've got yours now. He says, "Oh yeah, I'll be I'll be following your progress with that laptop, Leo. It sounds like it's a good idea, but I'm wondering if it's really worth the extra money for me. I don't tend to upgrade my laptops after the initial setup. I I guess the fact that there is any laptop that doesn't have everything soldered onto the board is a good thing. I always used to order a laptop with at least with the least amount of memory and hard drive space and then buy my own parts to update them, which was usually cheaper than paying the manufacturer. I guess the bottom line is that this modular is appealing, but only if I thought I'd actually take advantage of it. Yeah. It may be a little more expensive, but I don't think it's that much more expensive than a lot of the other mainstream laptops, really. So um, you, when you look on their website, it's a few hundred dollars difference, but what you're getting is is a lot of value add, I feel like. So a few yeah. hundred dollars is not not necessarily a deal breaker, I don't think. No, I think the base model is like eight hundred bucks, and I mean you're you're hard pressed right. to find any ThinkPad new off the off the line uh, yeah. for less than much of that. Um, Same with Dell and HP and all the other ones, right? If you're yeah. going to buy from one of the big manufacturers, you're you're looking at a, a laptop. You're looking at the eight nine hundred dollar yeah. range, probably. Yeah, and in, and in Matrix, uh, I, I have uh, uh, Chad who's backing me up on this framework because he's mm -hmm. got one as well. He's got the i five model. Um, and fortunately for him, he got the DIY his, mm. he bought the DIY kit. It all comes in pieces and you put it all together, which is, I wish I had that, but yeah, that I, I would mind going through that experience. That sounds fun. Yeah. Um, mine, mine was secondhand. So it was already pre-built and everything by the, but the person that originally bought it. But, right. um, I, I count myself lucky because I spent a whole lot less than what it would have cost buying it new. And there oh, wasn't sure. much of anything wrong with the laptop when I got it, other than the trackpad itself, which uh, I'll fix one of these days. Um, it's like 40 bucks, but taps and everything work. You, when you click it, like you got to push just a little extra hard. And I don't mean like a lot hard, just like barely a little extra after the click and it works. So it's not a big deal. I'm not in a rush to fix it. Um, but, you know, it'd be 40 bucks. So Right. And you can fix it yourself. So that's pretty slick. I think what I'm going to do is during the break, uh, the season break, is I'm going to buy the tr the touchpad. I'm going to buy the uh, the 256 gig uh, external plug-in oh, right. yep. thing that, that you know, it actually goes into the laptop. Yeah, it goes in the slot, like where you'd have a display port or something like that. If you were using an external monitor, you could just take that out and put the, put the yeah. 256 gig drive in and, and away you go. That's what gets me on it. So I, I'm going to buy a couple of pieces over the break and uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. That's where probably most of my Linux is going to go and all of that. Uh, testing Linux is going to go. So, but, so another, um, another point I'll make, though, too, is like, so it's not a Linux only laptop like some of the other ones are, yeah. but it is a very Linux friendly laptop. So they do have right. Linux in mind. Um, and so I, I think that's another takeaway for all of us, at least listening and, and producing this podcast. Um, Linux is, is an important thing to support, even if it's not necessarily directly. Well, they, they have the stamp of approval of both Ubuntu right. and Fedora. So it's not a Linux first laptop, but right. it is a Linux laptop because right. these guys are working with Upstream to make sure things that work on this laptop work natively. 
Correct. And to put a fine point on that, they're working directly with the folks behind FUPD to allow right. you to upgrade the BIOS, to upgrade yep. the SSDs, to upgrade all of the junk inside of this laptop in a Linux native fashion. So right. yeah, it's not a System76 laptop. It's not a Tuxedo right. Computers laptop. It's not a Juno whatever where it's Linux yeah, Star Labs, you name it, right? Yeah. It is Run a list. laptop that supports everything. I know. And that's the thing. Natively. So yeah, that 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 was enough. The fact that I can upgrade this thing um, you know, to the cows come home until they decide that this chassis is no longer viable. I'll be chucking new parts and, <laughs> and upgrading this thing until just it won't take them anymore. Um, Which is great. And I and I'm I'm happy about that because that means that there's less waste. There's there's no need for me to buy a whole new laptop, just parts for this laptop. It's all aluminum, man. It feels very nice in the hand. No, the trackpad yeah. is nice and glass. I mean, there there are just a gajillion things about this laptop that I absolutely love. And it works on Linux. That's, that's cool. Natively, out of the box. That's important. Agreed. All right. So last thing is, uh, last bit of feedback is Eris from Discord on Distro Benefits. So quick question. We've kind of answered this a few different angles throughout the episode so far. So we'll put a quick point on this question. He says, how would you compare your experience from building from source on Void, Arch, and Slackware, what are the benefits or disadvantage of each? Okay, so I'll say like, all right, so if we're going to build a, a application package, you know, say from source on on Void, say something not in the repos, uh, I think Void, Arch, or Slackware, which one's the better experience for you? I think for me, the best experience was with Void. And hear me out. I think XBPS source, uh, the, the build system that they provide for that, um, is super slick. It, it <laughs> is, it, yeah. it is, it's clean. It, it doesn't clutter up your system. It lets you build and maintain going forward too, not just build it once, but keep it built, um, as far as upgrades going forward. Which is 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 super nice. I, I I love the way they have that set up. Arch, a lot of people, um, and I and I said this in our Arch episode. Um, you're holding it wrong, if you will. <laughs> like when you're, when you're pulling in something from the AUR, um, yeah, you're not like you have like everybody uses an AUR helper, and that's fine, I guess. Um, but it's not you know make make package. And, you know, that's the tool that you would use to build something from source. And you should examine said package, even if you don't understand everything in it. At least you can kind of verify some of the links and make sure nothing slid in there, hopefully, uh, unintentionally um, and whatnot. So it's not as clean. It's not as easy, I don't think, um, as like the void stuff. It still works. It works pretty well. Um, and then Slackware, well, yeah, you're just on your own with that one. You're managing all <laughs> of the uh, dependencies and 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 versioning and all of that stuff and probably going to pull it from someplace like Slack Builds or, yeah. what, or maybe you're building it from y yourself. You're just pulling in tar files and building each one of those 
unreal by yourself and you could do that that's 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 in the cards you can you can definitely get it done that way you can but, torture yourself if you'd like <laughs> <laughs> but but that sounds you know not as fun so there's my hot take on it leo <laughs> well um I, I think generally i agree with pretty much everything you say um and i think maybe i, I don't know where the question is coming from but i kind of assume that uh building from source really is talking more about uh, XBPS source, um, mm-hmm. yay in Arch and uh, Slack builds in Slack, but rather than going to the source quite literally to GitHub, downloading right. the RGZ package, yeah, nobody and wants building to it. Right, nobody <laughs> wants to. But you know what's funny about that? I think is that Slackware has the best tools to do it. If you, if you were going to do it that way, that probably would be not a bad way to go. Right. So so in some senses, I think Slackware, because of their insistence on kind of doing things the old way, Slackware mm-hmm. has the best tools out of the box. That's the important bit. Out of okay, the box. out of the box. All of them, all of them can do all the things. But out of the box, Slackware probably has the best from source building tools ready to go day one. So, in right. a sense, I feel like Slackware is probably the easiest way to do it. However, to what I think the question was about, which is more Slack builds, AUR, XBPS mm-hmm. source, I think Arch, mostly right. because Yay is so darn easy to use. It does make it easy. The helper tool, yeah, like uh, I guess it is pretty slick. Yeah, not gonna it, lie, it is, and it it is, and I mean because Yay can take over for Pac-Man. Like you could just use Yay for everything once you once you get it set up. Sure. Um, I think yeah, the the experience is probably the best in Arch because I think there are just more people on Arch to slowly make that experience better and better and better and better. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if we're going straight up, you got uncompiled code and you need to get it on your system now. Slackware probably is the best experience without doing anything day one. So, yeah, I mean, right. that, uh, that's a, that's I, a I very interesting question. I guess I just like the question. tidiness of, of Void and the way they handle it. So that, that, yeah, that, no, you're right. that, that elegance is, is what strikes me. There is a simplicity to Void and not saying in any way that Void is the worst of the bunch, just that I think I favor the hard way in Slackware All and right. the easy way in Arch. Cool. Well, there you go. You can't do it wrong. It's Linux. <laughs> no, you can't. I think all of the ways are right. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of like I like I like Slackware and I like Arch. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Time to turn your pillows. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to the Linux Out Loud podcast. Ooh. Uh, this is from the Destination Linux uh, Network, recently rebranded, right? So yeah. this was DLN Extend previously, and now is Linux Out Loud. Wendy, Matt, and Nate all all bring great conversations every week uh, and, and some jocularity, too. So they, they keep you on your toes. I love the good ribbing that goes on between Matt and Nate. Yeah. That's, that's always super fun. And, uh, you know, Wendy's practical, uh, you know, knowledge and what she brings from, you know, photography and, and, and Linux com- combination together and the experiences that her kids are having with uh, Linux gaming and, and 
other you know other things that she's doing with her her co-op schooling and stuff is is pretty great so yep um they're they're a great uh trio and i love listening every week so they're you know on my list definitely 100 percent. i i really enjoy uh every time i watch them on youtube um and every time they come through it's just i put them on in the background and there's always something new. There's always something to learn in a podcast like that. So, yep. yeah, worth a check out. Check it out. So that's Linux Out Loud podcast from the Destination Linux Network. We'll make sure to have a link in the show notes, dlnextend.com. Feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show. We'll talk about feedback when we get back on Season 3. We love our patrons. and. Speaking of our patrons, we're going to make sure to pause your Patreon yeah. during our off-season yep. for a couple of months here. When we're not releasing episodes, we'll not be charging you. That's that's yeah. how that's going to go. Um, yeah. But we so, do appreciate your support, and we thank everyone for your contributions. Um, this this would not be possible without you know everything that you bring. And you can head on over to patreon.com slash linuxuserspace to join the other patrons. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can join our Matrix room. That's not going anywhere. Uh, LinuxUserspace.show slash Matrix. And we also have our Telegram group, LinuxUserspace.show slash Telegram. And if those aren't enough chat platforms, we've got our Discord server, uh, LinuxUserspace.show slash Discord. You can follow us on Twitter, at LinuxUserspace, to get all the latest announcements for the show and for highlights for things that impact your user space. In addition to that, we've also caught up with the times and we've got the open source Fediverse. And Ooh. we've joined Mastodon. You can follow us at, at Linux user space at mastodon.social. You can watch our faces on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. Our subreddit, linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit, is where you'll find all kinds of news coming down through and you can join in on the conversation over there and talk about any of those things. Lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like comment and subscribe on YouTube. You can always get more information on our website, linuxuserspace.show. Last focus of the season. I better focus up get focused for a little while yeah there wasn't enough tinfoil hat earlier in the show right i mean we spent a little while talking about um, this is a good one to support the tinfoil hat yes yes so because we didn't have enough of it before we're gonna visit one more time so roman vigi is uh the author of metadata cleaner this is one of the apps.gnome.com com thing app, no, or, yeah like, the, the, the no maps yep no maps yeah that thing apps.gnome.org uh, i believe is that's where the at. one there you go yep this is one of those apps and mm-hmm. it's fantastic um especially for the tinfoil hat persuasion yeah. of us I, all I, I, I like this i i didn't know about it until you mentioned it oh and ooh. Uh, you got me excited leo it's so good. Okay, all right. So it's one of those super simple apps, right? Like no, no maps are super simple apps. They do one thing, like they sound are. recorder. It just records sound and metadata cleaner. It just cleans metadata. That's what it does. It's no nonsense, no frills. It does the metadata cleaning and it does it well. So what is it? Metadata cleaner. 
It does what it says on the tin. Why would you want it? Because you want to clean metadata. <laughs> I mean, yeah, of course you do. You know, I, I feel like I feel like this app focus is going to be kind of short because it is what it says it is, and it does what it says it does. Well, so well, I mean, Leo, what is metadata? There you go. Okay, Meta, <laughs> metadata is data about the data that is added to the data itself. Okay, visualize this with me, if you will. You I pull am. out your phone. Because you see something funny and you mm -hmm. decide to take a video of that thing. That video is 30 seconds. And you press record and you press stop and you watch the video a couple times later on. You laugh at it and you send it through some chat platform or whatever. But what you don't realize that you're sending a lot of times. Because not all chat platforms and social media platforms and everybody, they don't scrub the metadata before they post it to their website. Some do, some Why, don't. Of course not. They, they, they utilize that for other purposes. Of course. So <laughs> the metadata, what is this metadata? The metadata is information. It is the date you took that video. The GPS location well, there's a of biggie. that video. That's, the, that's another big one. The time that you took that also video big. and tons of other personally identifying information like the phone you use not just the platform the version of android or ios the model number of your phone and so if you're gonna say that you have a date a location a time the make and model of your phone the version of software you know quite a lot that's a pretty good profile and you didn't even watch the video yet dan this i know is, this is just <laughs> you probably get it from the video anyway i mean maybe maybe you don't see the person recording but the you phone, don't know the, the the video's face necessarily right right but that's true you could that's very true. easily figure out who recorded the video even if they said zero words throughout the entire video itself that's right? a bit scary Right. I mean, you, you cross reference that with some Twitter post they made about being at a bar somewhere and you can figure out exactly who that is, when that is, where that is and why that is. So just for a just for security's sake, before you go post that media somewhere, run it through the app. That is the entire purpose of the app. If what you're trying to put on the Internet is just the video, well, then do that. Use right. metadata cleaner to strip out all that auxiliary information, all of that personally identifying information, and then post it. Because, yes, some websites do scrub that information before they allow anybody else to see it. But can you be sure that those websites don't use that information themselves if, to tie? If you don't send it, that's when you can be sure. Exactly. <laughs> so let the cleaner do its job. Scrub that stuff first, then upload it. And if you're anything like me wondering what happens with that data one time or another, then you can be sure yep. that they're not going to do anything nefarious because they didn't get the information in the first place. They gave it, get, They are using and showing exactly what you gave them right. because you gave them exactly only the video. So um, I guess real quick before we close out this, this segment, what were yep. your favorite apps? Of uh of the season. So, so favorite apps that I picked for for things, um, I picked Fresh RSS. Um, oh yeah, at Kid Three and Quick Emu. Okay. And so Pretty I picked good. those mostly because I use those every day. 
every yes. day. Yes, I'm, I'm I'm like tagging a tagging an episode or you know spinning up a VM to test uh, Lubuntu or you know I'm looking at all of my news feed in fresh RSS. That's that's yep. like where I I've totally moved over there and like right before the episode that we we talked about fresh RSS, I moved over and I went whole hog and. I love every minute of it because it is way better than all the other things I've tried. I'm so glad you like it because I've I've been talking about Fresh RSS to you forever. Um you and and I was so afraid that when you swapped over that after about a month you would just you just throw it away. Nope. So, um I guess on my end, um in no particular order and because they are ones I use every single day. Uh, Nextcloud. I mean, e- e- all of all oh, yeah. of the stuff, all of the stuff for the show has to go somewhere, mm-hmm. and that somewhere is Nextcloud because, um, if if I'm home, obviously Nextcloud's here. But if I'm not, then I can VPN quickly and just take care of it. I'm in, and I'm able to to deal with anything in Nextcloud. And by the way, Nextcloud has a pretty decent music player. It does. Uh, yep. I, I was I was caught off guard a little bit. And it works fantastic on the phone. So mm-hmm. if whatever I, you know, if I have just like junk in Nextcloud that I've just not added to Plex or you know taken the time, yeah, um, it, it's good. Yeah, I'm, I've been cool. surprised how good it is. I mean, obviously you might need a little bit of bandwidth on your phone, so don't be in like a no service kind of area. But it's right. it's been surprisingly good how <laughs> well that actually works. Um, and fresh RSS. So I mean, we're we're gonna cross the streams on that one. Yeah. Uh, fresh RSS is the it's how these topic shows are made, except this one. I mean, you guys made this one, but uh, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, fresh RSS. It's it's sometimes it does feel like drinking from the fire hose. It sounds like I'm probably gonna be. It's even gonna be worse now. Now if <laughs> I, I add, have given you some, some of ideas. these things. <laughs> but but it's good. I mean, yeah, um, it is. I I love how I get my news now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, you know, negate the sources. So it's yep. not some like aggregator, not calling anybody out, but there are aggregators out there that kind of blind you to where the information really came from. Yes. And Fresh RSS doesn't do that because you get it straight from whatever source it is that you set up. Yeah. So it's fantastic. I like that. And the other thing is Firefox multi-account containers. Guys, have okay. you ever? Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. If you ever had to do multiple accounts of multiple things in the same service, Twitter, yeah, um, yeah, I do Linux user space, I do my own, I do terminal tricks, and and I help out with the Mintcast. And yeah, so that's that's, a that's, lot. that's enough right there. That's a lot, man. That's a good and enough so, reason. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and swapping, you know, adding them all to to one one particular instance is not not it's fine. It's not enough. Um, so it's nice to be able to keep that all separate so sure. that when you I go to that. Google, Google is not like, hey, which of the 80,000 accounts do you want to log into? No, no, I just open the right container, go to Google, yep. and it's already all automatically logged in and ready to go. So the Firefox multi-account containers has saved my bacon, has kept me sane going from one thing to the other. Everything is color-coded. That's that's I think yeah. that's the real benefit of it is on top of the tabs – each tab yep. from a container, what you know, like my Linux user space container is orange. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> right? I mean, my personal <laughs> container is purple. Mintcast is green. 
again, yep, obviously. Uh, uh, yep, and yeah. Terminal Tricks is blue. So at a glance, I can easily see what I've got open. Mm. You know, if I want to do something, what I need to open. And the containers really make that super easy to do. So that I think is probably that's the list, man. Next cloud every day. Fresh RSS every day. And well, okay, maybe I sleep for a day. Mul but 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 Firefox multi-account containers absolutely every day. Because yep. while I might not post stuff every day, um, I do go scroll through it and see what's going on. Um, I guess I probably should post more, right? It's great for the SEO and all yes, yes, jazz yes. and you know, whatever. You know, if, if you haven't <laughs> noticed, it's not my favorite thing to do. Um, uh, well, obviously, you know. if you haven't noticed, it's not my favorite thing to do either. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, but yeah, I guess it's kind of the it's kind of the thing you got to do when you do stuff like this. So you yeah. know, there's, there's a little bit out there. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So those were great. I, I really uh, we've covered some great things over the whole season. Uh, had a lot of fun with it. Great distros, yep. great applications. I still use apostrophe. I still use TLDR. Yep, I use all those too. System monitoring center is still beautiful. Yeah, man, is that nice. Yep, style pack still helps. Um, quick MU, seriously. How is he going to run a Mac, uh, a Mac that, VM on right? your Linux desktop? Seriously. Um, uh, GNOME Sound Recorder and K-Wave are great backups. Mm -hmm. Yep. For Audacity. Geary is still pretty as far as emails go. Mm -hmm. uh, Krita still does a lot of our heavy lifting as far as logos and things like that goes. Uh, Privacy Badger still keeping you safe. Time Shift. Still keeping you safe, I guess. I yep. guess, uh, you know, keeping your yeah. backups safe, right? Yep. Gnome Authenticator. By the way, Dan, do you still use uh, Gnome Authenticator? Is it still on your phone? I don't No, I have... Uh, I had to put you on the spot just to check. I do I do not. I do have uh, uh, the Keysmith. Oh, you went with the other one. Yeah, yeah. We, we oh. use... Uh, we, well, we, we tested both, right? At the same, yeah. the same episode. That, and, was, that uh, was a double header. Yeah, no, that I, I'm using the KDE version of that, so... Yeah, oh, whatever. smart. Okay. Uh, they're that, both that's... good. Like you, you do need TOTP stuff, and uh, you oh, gotta yeah. have something, something to manage that. You, yeah, your multi-factor's the way to go. Absolutely, and, and you know what? You know what we didn't mention was sync thing, but we we definitely use that one every episode. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah. that's how Hands we've been down. getting files across. So runner up would be style pack. Runner runner up would easily be LSD. For me, the last oh, episode is one so because it's it's so pr <laughs> the amount of times I run LS is is too many. Um, yep, and making it pretty is just nice. Yeah, so, put some icons next to that. Thanks. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Privacy badger, good stuff. Keep yep. you safe on the web. Yeah. So not not a single one of those apps has fallen off. I still love Same. all of them. No, I, I still use them all too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, yeah. What a recap! What a recap of season two. Next time. Well, it's kind of a next time, but not well, it, next time, next time. time. Right. Yeah, we'll lay a ne next time in a few months next time. <laughs> After the season break next time, yeah. we start up a new season. We start season three. We, we, we roll we the it, clock Leo. back. Leo, Leo, we're big time now. We've got through the sophomore season. Dude, so that's the thing about this is I, I, I talked about it at the top of the show. Season one really did feel like a freshman album. Yep. You know, like it, it felt like there were things that we could improve. Not that there aren't now, just that there are things that we could improve on. And we kind of switched directions a little bit for season two. But I really think in season two, we hit our stride. We found what we really wanted to do with the show. And I think we really started to do it. 
I agree. I agree. And so season three, what we will see in a few months, what you will, what uh, you as a as a listener, as a participant, as a part of the community, will uh, experience with us is just a refinement of what season two was, and hopefully. You'll get more enjoyment out of it, more listening time out of it, more everything out of it in season three. So that's that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. But more than that, I'm looking forward to a break. <laughs> yeah, maybe like we we alluded to this. We love the show. We love you oh, guys. Yeah. We we love doing diving into all these things. But yeah, man, I I, I wouldn't mind a, a little break. <laughs> We're gonna take a little break. So um. Some things to look forward to, though. Some things to to maybe dream about between now and episode one. We're gonna focus on some new things that we found, mm-hmm. um, or that we came across, or that we that we acquired. Um, I got my framework laptop. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna really run it through its paces, and over the next three months, Dan, you got a little something coming to you. Hopefully, I got something coming. I haven't got my email yet, but I keep waiting and keep watching for it. I'm I'm waiting for my Steam Deck. I'm hmm. in the quarter two crowd, so supposedly the start of April, we should be seeing emails come out for for the for that group, and um, I should have it before season three begins. So hopefully, I'll have a little time to to play around with it. I mean, I've been trying not to. I mean, I've been watching, but I've been trying not to watch all of the other people playing oh, theirs yeah. online because that just makes me sad. I don't have mine. But I see a lot of great things, and a lot of great things can be done with it. And the games that are being played on it are pretty fantastic too. So, well, I, I think on the bright side of all of this is that um, I'm tired of it. Uh, you're tired I, I of know, it. I, I don't know about you, but um, if you go to social media right now and look at anything Linux, everything is just Steam Deck. Everything, absolutely everything. Nobody's talking I'm, about anything else. Like GNOME 42. Oh yeah, great. But what about that Steam Deck? Oh Ubuntu 2204. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's great. But what about that Steam Deck? Like yeah. I don't know about you, man, but I have been Steam Decked out. I am done with it. I am fine. If I never hear another thing in the next three months about Steam Deck, what I'm waiting for is Dan's take on Steam Deck because it'll all be fresh again. I won't be burnt out on Steam. I am burnt out right now on Steam Deck. So... I'm, okay. I'm excited. Well, I'm not, to take I'm a not break really from burned it. out. I'm just kind of excited about it still, and I'm I'm just waiting. I'm just I'm just waiting. Maybe I'm just salty. I don't have one, and I'm not on the list. Well, I'm sorry uh, for that. So I, I, you know, if we get together sometime, Leo, I'll I'll make sure you get to try mine. How's that okay. sound? And until then, I'll cry in my framework tears. Okay, well that works too <laughs> because I don't have one of those. So there you go. <laughs> and then uh, uh, also we got a Pine Phone. Uh, so I I finally did get myself a um, a prepaid SIM that I can chuck into the Pine Phone and actually do phone calls and actually do web surfing and actually do updating and everything else on the phone itself without having to go onto Wi Fi. Because what is a phone if you can't use it as a phone? That's yeah, kind of the yeah. point. So that that is something also cool. to look forward to as well. Yeah, and, so I'd be looking forward to to hearing about your experience there. Yeah, and this is not the Pine Phone Pro. Don't get me wrong; it's going to be slow. It's going to be slow compared to the Pine Phone Pro. But but again, I mean, I'm 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 interested. I want to see how it works. Yeah, no, I mean, I and, and I know. Sure, I use my phone a lot, but I don't use my phone a lot as a phone. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I say the whole thing about people, the phone. Though. Yeah, I say that whole thing about the phone, but then I also don't make a lot of phone calls either. So, mm. yep. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so it's good. That'll be a good experience. I, I can't wait to hear your take on it, honestly. 
The last thing that we'll say in this uh, little tiny, hopefully small segment is I think we're going to go ahead and pick a distro. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a while before we get to it, but I think we're going to announce it here because it's a it's a big distro. Yeah. So in in season one, we bit off more than we could chew. I think those distros didn't get enough time to simmer. We didn't have enough time to spend on them. I think in season two, we figured out a month is probably about good to get enough of the distro to give a good critique on it and really dive into the history and figure out what's going on with that. Um, But I think in season three, we might have figured out that Doing distros on the um, kind of on the even cadence, right? So in season one, we did one, two, three, and then five, seven, all the odd number episodes. Right. And then in season two, we we did two topic episodes back to back. Did season uh, 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 episode three, five, seven, eight, right? Yep. But uh, I think we've decided we wanted to do ten distros a season, or at least try to get it in there. Yeah. Right. And I think the best way to do that is to do that on the even-numbered episodes. And the only way to do that is to give it the whole month and just announce it now. Yeah, so we're going to give it like three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. essentially. This, this first one's going to get about three months, but we're not going to do this particular distro any differently than we would do any other distro. It's just that uh, this distro is releasing during our time off. And we want that to be the first distro that we dive into in season three. Yep. And we've avoided it on purpose. We have. For a long time. We don't want to get labeled. Well, yeah, right? I mean, everybody goes for that one. Everybody does that one first because it's it's the most popular and all that kind of stuff. But it took us, It it we, we went through 20 distros. Listen to me. Yeah. We did 20 distros before we we touched a flavor, before we did anything. So we the did some 20, derivatives, but like not quite the same, right? Right, right. Right. So for our 21st distro, episode two of season three, we're going to do Ubuntu 2204. Yep. Episode one is going to be topic. Our next episode will be a topic-based episode as we warm up. And then episode two and every other even episode will be a distro episode. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for your support. We truly appreciate it. We close out this season. Look forward to the next one. So where can we find you in the off-season, Leo? You can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter and all the places, right? Telegram, Discord, Matrix, blah, blah, blah. Go to linuxuserspace.show. Look at all those links up on top. Find me in all of those places. And the same here. You can find me at KC2BZ on Twitter, at KC2BZ at Mastodon.technology. And all of the other Telegram, probably everything that exists on, on all of those links. You can Linux find LinuxUserspace.show. Uh, Click on it, one of the links. You'll find it. If, if you ever doubted, I do read all of the messages in, in the chat. So if, there's, I don't, if there's one constant of this world, it is that. Dan yep. reads everything. Join us in a, in a few little whiles. Um, <laughs> when we return to the Linux user space.
It almost Wait. makes me not want to quit. I know, but uh, I, absence I, makes the heart grow fonder. I hope, and I need a break. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the main part. That's the main thing is, um, yeah, I need a break, man. Uh, that history is hard. I know you do. We both do. Yes, yes. The history is hard, and this is hard, and everything is hard. So uh, I love doing it. it Not it same. Just, it'll, it same. just saps your energy. This this is the hobby. So, yeah. And we're not tested. Not tested. No, nah, but I mean, like, <laughs> not just tested, documented, you know, all the things, right? Yep. We got some time. Okay. Uh, true. No, you're true. Yeah, it's right. It's right. I mean, we really do have three months to do it, so it's not. It's not that big a deal. You know, um, we're gonna wait till the last week. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> we have a history of procrastination, Dan. What are we gonna yeah. do about this? <laughs> we get it done, though. <laughs>